This morning we read from Philippians 3, verses 12 to 16, straining toward the goal. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Good morning. My name is Jared Kenning. I'm not the normal uh, teaching pastor here, so uh, I actually am a pastor on staff, but I serve in the Czech Republic with my family. When I uh, got the text I'd be preaching on today, I was really excited because it's verse 15 where Paul says, Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So if you like the sermon today, that's probably a sign of your maturity. And if you don't, well, the Lord will reveal that to you in His time. I turned 40 last year. It's a wonderful age because it's an age that's filled with lots of longings and emotion. There's much I wish I had done up to this point that I didn't, much I desire to do. And yet alongside this is this growing knowledge of brevity. It's an age where I look at my daughter's faces and think, oh, They'll only be here for a few more years. And I long for them to have courage as they go into life. It's an age where I bought running shoes a couple of years ago. So my metabolism isn't so fast. It's an age where I know a lot of friends now who have left their spouses because they've got these strong longings and distorted desires. It's an age where a lot of my friends are experiencing pretty deep depression and sorrow. Lots of longings, lots of emotions. Um, but I think that this is going on in every age, and every stage of life. When the girls were a little bit younger, we were reading through the Little House series. And at one point we were driving in the car and one of our daughters said, Oh, Daddy, look! A prairie! Pull over so I can go run in it! And I was in a hurry. I needed to be somewhere on time. And I said, no, not today. We'll do it another time. She looked out the window longingly. About a half a year later, I found her in the room. And she looked sad. And I said, what's wrong, honey? And she said, oh, I want to play Little House, but I can't. I just don't have the feelings anymore. She was growing up and growing out of that. And you know what? We never pulled over for her to run in the prairie. The father in me wishes he had. I would have bought the whole prairie if I'd known how much it meant to her. But even that 
would have been a mere grasping at something that cannot be held or bought. Just something kind of going through us. C.S. Lewis talks a lot about this kind of longing in his writings at various points. And at one point he's talking about joy, kind of a lifelong theme of his. And he says, joy reminds. It is never a possession, always a desire for something longer ago or further away or still about to be. And I think in this passage, Paul is experiencing something similar as he writes to the Philippians. He's in his mid-50s. He's in prison. And he's writing to a young church that he planted. And he is wanting them to succeed. He's longing to see them. But more than that, he's desiring to see them grow in their faith. And the short text uh, we will look at this morning is just infused with language describing strong desire that's not quite attainable. Paul says things like something not yet obtained, but to be pressed on toward, not able to make his own, but worth straining forward for, something to try to hold on to, but not quite. And these kind of expressions repeat so often in these four verses that one hears echoes of longing that we all experience as we sojourn as pilgrims on this earth. When similar words repeat in a text often, I like to think of them as semantic inroads that will lead us to deeper meaning and importance that's kind of hidden in the text. So I want to follow this path these inroads of straining and striving and pressing on as we explore the passage. I'm not sure where each of you is in your pilgrimage right now. Maybe you're 14 and you're here today trying to figure out who you are, longing to grow up, to be somebody, and to belong somewhere. Perhaps you're a young adult you're wanting significance in your life. You'd love to find the love of your life and start a family. Maybe you're retired, hoping for good health. But more than that, you really want to leave a legacy. Or maybe you're 40 years old and you just bought running shoes and you run through the forest with thoughts and regrets and adventures you'd like to be on running through your head. Well, wherever you are, I want to just invite you to follow these inroads with me. You might just find a God that's waiting for you right there, longing to meet you in your longings, wanting to fulfill some of them. So let me pray before we dive into the text. Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, and may our affections be in line with yours. Amen. Okay, so let's jump right into verse 12. It says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I want to come back to the second half of that verse later, but for now we need to figure out what this 
is referring to. Paul hasn't obtained what? In order to do that, we need to go back a verse, in verse 11, where we see that Paul is talking about the resurrection from the dead. And so we need to kind of get rid of this vague, fluffy notion of afterlife that we have when we think of resurrection of the dead, angels floating around, that kind of thing. Because Paul is talking about the culmination of the entire biblical story from the garden all the way to Revelation. It's God's historical plan to redeem His creation and to restore us to who we were meant to be. To restore us to what He calls His sons and daughters. It means, to use Jesus' language, to be at home with the Father. It's a place of celebration and mirth, feasting and singing. It's a place where men do not sit passive in front of televisions, captivated by fear. It's where women truly know their inner beauty and the courage that they have. It's a place where friends don't gossip about each other. Cancer does not eat the body. It's a place where there are no Republicans or Democrats. It's a place where you can be yourself. You don't have to pretend or prove anything. And you're fully known and fully valued. It's a place where you can run in the prairie for hours. And it's this place that we're all really longing to be at. But we're not there yet, right? Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. And I think that this not there yet is really hard for everybody, whether you're a Christian or not, because we want to be at that place where things aren't broken. We want to be at that place where we are surrounded by love, but we know it's not here. And I think Christians maybe especially struggle with this because we have a tendency to think and feel like we should have it all together. I'm saved, right? I'm saved by grace, but I should have it all together. I struggle with believing this lie, especially as somebody who's in full-time ministry. I'll catch myself uh, when somebody asks, so how's ministry going? And I want to just pull out the Saul card, circumcised on the eighth day from the elite tribe of Benjamin. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to righteousness, blameless. Yeah, ministry's going great. How are you doing? You ever feel that way when somebody asks you how you're doing, how your marriage is, how your walk with the Lord is? There's a disconnect there sometimes because we pilgrims haven't arrived yet. One of the ironic things about this attitude of everything's great Christianity is that non-Christians kind of hate it. It stinks to them. They don't value it. They don't long for it. They don't really accept it. But here's the good news for everybody here. God loves to use broken things. He delights when we confess our brokenness and our need for a Savior, for a Father to come rescue us. And when we pretend we aren't broken 
It actually just isolates us from other people, right? And from God. The very things we're longing for when we pretend to do that. Brokenness is the path we tread on this upward call to being home with Jesus. So if you're here today and you just know you're a failure or you're feeling like you're washed up, if you're here carrying a lot of guilt with you or you look at yourself and you say, unredeemable, I want you to know that that can be a really good place if you will put your hand in Jesus's and walk the path with him. Brokenness is the path we tread on this upward call to being home with Jesus. So, but we haven't arrived yet. And at the same time, we're called to press on and strain forward. I read uh, The Lord of the Rings this last year. And I'm thinking about making it required reading for our leadership team because it is such a rich story of journey and adventure, courage and pain, and pressing on against all odds. There are several points in the story where Frodo wants to give up. And yet he has others around him to encourage him to keep going, to press on toward the goal, much like Paul is doing here. At one point of particular despair, Frodo's closest friend Sam says this. I'm going to read a, a quote from him. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come and when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. And I think this is what Paul is saying here. Keep going. Don't turn back. Don't let the past pull you off the path. Keep holding on. Don't give up. There have been times in my journey where I have come very close to saying, this whole following Jesus thing is too hard for me. I give up. There have been several occasions where I have seriously considered quitting the ministry. And God in those times has always sent people to me, brothers and sisters, to encourage me, don't give up. Kind of like what Paul and Sam is saying. So if you're in a situation right now where you've given up or you want to give up, please hear Paul's urging and encouragement. Don't turn back. Don't give up. Strain forward to what lies ahead and keep going. The sun might just be around the next corner. But as we're on this journey toward what Paul calls this upward 
call of God in Christ Jesus, there is so much that can pull us off the path, right? Pull us away from this calling. Paul uses the word goal in verse 14. And the meaning of it is like an intense focus on what you're striving toward. Like a determined concentration, the goal. And we live in a world where there are a million things around us that can distract us from focusing on following Jesus. All those longings we experience in life, the world has ready solutions for it, right? The Complete Little House series on DVD. New running shoes. The iPhone 8 is coming out, right? We're all looking forward to that. Or maybe a new record of likes on what I just posted. You know, I could go to Amazon right now and literally spend the rest of the day reading things to you that you could buy that are promising to make life better, easier, happier, more meaningful. But how long does the pleasure and the awe of a new iPhone last? Three weeks? Maybe a month? When I got mine, it was about two and a half weeks. What about when you buy a new outfit? After you wear it the second time, it's kind of lost that, right? And all these things kind of clamor, own us, own us, own us. And yet, we know they don't satisfy those longings. They're giving us a cheap substitute for what we really want. Safety instead of courage. Entertainment instead of joy. Comfort instead of adventure. And they distract us from our deepest desires. The enemy would love nothing more than for you and I to spend the precious hours that are given us scrolling through Facebook, searching for deals on toys we don't really need, calculating nervously how to make ourselves appear appealing so that other people might like us or so that we can pretend that somebody might like us. Facebook actually had a document leaked not too long ago where they had promised advertisers that they could locate the moment when teens were feeling emotionally down and notify advertisers when they would need a confidence boost. They actually said the document exists, but they didn't really mean it that way. You know what? We need so much more than a confidence boost by some kind of advertiser. I don't know what tempts you to be pulled off the path in life. We're all a little different, right? You might be on social media flirting with an old acquaintance, tempted to throw away your marriage over that. Maybe you're drinking just a little bit more in the evenings. Perhaps you're consumed with your body, how you look or how you feel, putting your treasure into it. Maybe uh, you've just kind of resigned to stare at glowing rectangles for hours each day. YouTube, 
video games. I think Paul is saying like a father here, wake up. Don't get pulled off the path. Stay focused before it's too late. Know what is truly important and what will ultimately satisfy you. Because Paul knows that there is so much at stake. He knows that each of you has a role to play. And if you don't play it, guess what? Nobody will do it for you. God has you here for a purpose. And so Paul is urging us, stay focused on the goal. Does that make sense? If not, the Lord will reveal it to you at the right time. Okay, I just want to go back to the end of that quote by Samwise. He says, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. And then Frodo asks, what were they holding on to? If we're going to stay focused, we need to know what we're holding on to here. What Paul calls the prize in this text. What's the prize? Brett Molman, maybe a lot of you know him here. He used to be my Bible study leader in junior high. And he would, he would always say, if you don't know the answer at church, just say God, Jesus, or Satan, and you'll probably get it right. That was for you, Brett. Um, if you say Jesus, yeah, you probably kind of got it right. But Paul actually uses an interesting phrase here. He says, it's the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So what's he mean? What's the prize? How do we get it? Why should we strive for it? I think that Paul is saying that this upward call, this journey we're on, is actually part of the prize. Because it's as we persevere and press on, we mature in character, we grow in faith and trust, we begin to know God more. We are in the process right now, today, this very minute, of being restored. We're not there yet, but we're being prepared for a present right now glory and then ultimately for a wonderful, abundant future glory. There's another detail in the text that makes me think that the journey is part of the prize. Verse 16 says that we should hold true to what we have attained. This word attained here is referring to coming to a certain state of being, like a point of maturity as we grow in faith. Something that's already been given to us as we're on the journey. That's part of the prize, becoming who we were created to be. But the bigger part of the prize Paul refers to is knowing Jesus. Right now, we can know Jesus. Wherever we are on this journey, we can begin to know Jesus more and more. And then... The ultimate prize is we will know Him in full when we live with Him in that future glory. And it's actually getting to know Jesus and learning to trust and surrender to Him that we continue down the path, right? So, I hope that's good news to you, not just old news. 
I said I'd go back to the second half of verse 12. Let's go back there, please. Because Paul gives his reason why he presses on in this journey that's filled with danger for him, betrayal, imprisonment, adventure, longings. He says, I press on to make this union with Christ my own, to make it something that belongs to me. And here's his reason. Because Jesus Christ has made me His own. Because Jesus has already made it so that I belong to Him. That we can belong to each other. He's made it so that I can't be taken away from Him. Paul is deliberately using the language of ownership here because he knew that Jesus had paid the price so that we could be with Him in the Father's house forever. He paid the price of His life. We haven't obtained the resurrection from the dead yet, but Jesus has already obtained it for us. Russell Moore uh, talks about the time when he really realized what it means to call out to God, Abba, Father. He and his wife were in the process of adopting two sons in the former Soviet Union. And they had paid for the ticket, paid for the adoption process, they paid the price, and now they were going to meet the two boys they wanted to adopt before the final decision was made by the orphanage. And they went there, and Russell Moore says the thing that struck him the most as they went in there and saw all these babies and toddlers in cribs was complete silence. He said it was such a contrast to the children's ministry at the church that he led, where there was a bunch of noise and kids running around and screaming. Complete silence. You see, these kids had given up on the idea that somebody would ever respond to them crying out. And they just laid there quiet. Um, They went into the room where the two boys were that they wanted to adopt. And they got a chance to play with them and talk with them and cuddle them, even though they spoke a different language. And then the lady from the orphanage came and said, okay, it's time for you guys to go. And we'll let you know within a couple months if you're able to adopt them or not. So they said goodbye to the boys and they walked back into that silent hall. And after they'd gotten a few steps out, they heard a scream that pierced the silence. One of the boys had finally met somebody that he believed would respond if he cried out. And they ran back into that room and said goodbye one more time and then eventually adopted them. Jesus has paid the price to make us his own. He met us as orphans and he came to visit us so that we would know and believe that when we cry out, there is somebody who hears it. And He is coming back to take us home. If we press on at the end of our long and dangerous journey, we will see God Himself running out to us with ring and robe, arms outstretched, And we'll hear him say, my son, my daughter, I'm so pleased with you. You made it. 
The feast is ready. The music is playing. The prairie is yours to run in. And you know what? The prize will be for God to be with us. We are His prize. The prize for Him will be that we made it, we're in His house, and we know Him and He knows us. This is something we can hold on to as we leave here today to keep us on the path, keep us focused as we go on this upward call to being home with Jesus. So would you pray with me? Oh Lord, um, I want to put my running shoes on and run to you right now. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. You know that. You know that we're longing for you and we're so often distracted um, from what we really want. Sometimes we distort that. Oh, but Lord, you've paid the price to make us your own and would you help us to hold on to that today as we walk this journey and walk it together. Amen.